progress, it's helpful to zoom out. Every nine weeks or so, I like to set aside time and pull together um, all of the written work that we've done in all of our academic subjects. Um, along with that written work, I like to pull together my notes from my calendar, um, my planner, the instructor's guide, and the margins. I've made just quick notes all throughout the nine weeks uh, with just a little bit of information about um, how about our progress um, in the non-written work, the history, the Bible, the literature, read alouds, readers, just comments about how it's going. Be honest, um, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the funny, um, the frustrating, um, and uh, the milestones. Write that in and then take zoom out and take an overlook, um, you know, just an overview of all of that written work and then the non-written work for that nine-week period. Get a good idea. Pull two to three samples of work from each academic subject, the written work, and then little notes about, you know, the non-written work. Set that aside, put it in a bin, put it away, and um, in nine weeks, do the same thing again. And after three or four nine-week periods, then you can compare um, the beginning of the year, the middle of the year, and the end of the year, and have a really good insight about um, how your year went. So it's really helpful to zoom out. In the day-to-day, -day, it can get discouraging. Um, you can have a false sense of security that you're doing really well, but when you zoom out, you tend to see the patterns throughout the year and zooming out helps us to track progress. Hello, I just wanted to share with you that my son took his first history test ever about a week or so ago. So what is the significance of that? Well, he's a freshman in college and he just took his first history test ever and he did really well on it. So proud mama moment here. So how did I determine his progress going all the way through sunlight. He started in preschool as a sunlighter, and so you know he never took a history test. Um, we read through the books, we discussed, and we read and discussed, rinse and repeat all through the years. And that really and truly was enough. Now, I used to be a high school science teacher, and so I knew that the only way for me to know what my students knew was to give them a test. I did have 20 something students after all. Uh, but homeschooling and, uh, and with sunlight, it's just different. You have a small student-teacher ratio, and you know what you're learning the whole way as you progress to the different levels, and that's how you determine your progress. Now, when you do hit high school, there are certain subjects that do have tests, and we did do those, like with math and science. But by that time, we had been able to instill a love of learning that didn't focus on grades. Um, it's not like you just do what you have to do to get the grade that you want. Uh, you really instill a love of learning going all the way through. And uh, we have found that um, the style of sunlight without all the tests uh, really does work and, uh, and sets your kids up for whatever they wanna do in the future. Every year when I evaluate my homeschoolers, um, the first thing that I do is look at their progress. Um, I look at work from the very beginning of the year, say in their math book, and I remember back what problems they had. I can see by the erasing um, 
how much trouble they had with it um, or how easy it was. And then I look in about the middle of the book. I do not flip through the whole thing, but then I just check it right about the middle of the book. How was that going? Remember when that was hard? Remember the things we had to learn? And then I look at the end of the book and invariably I can see how much they progressed by the end of the year because you work in baby steps. And so along the way, like I don't see how well we're doing and how much they're conquering. But when I look at just the beginning, middle and end, um, it's very, very obvious. I always assess a child's progress based on that child, not grade level, because I never really know what grade level even is. It's different in every school, every district, every state. Um, so I just look at how far that child has come from where that child was, not against anybody else. Certainly not, um, I'm not going to evaluate based on what other children have done because some kids, certain things just come easier. Um, and other kids struggle and in different places. And so there's no point in measuring you against your brother. Evaluating my homeschool every year looked different depending on what state we lived in. But the one thing that I kept the same no matter where we lived is that I had my children take a standardized test at the end of every year, beginning in first or second grade. Um, that has been a gift to them because it teaches them that skill of taking a standardized test. Um, I also, even no matter how scary it might seem, I went ahead and did the timed test because I also feel that that's a good practice for them in taking something that might seem a little stressful, but in a, an environment that's safe. We do Christian Liberty Press. We do their cat test. Um, We've always done the paper test and recently I've tried out the online test and I gotta say I'm a big fan. When I first started to homeschool, I had read a bunch of books about homeschooling and in one of the books I had read about Charlotte Mason and some of the techniques that she used and that's where I learned about narration. Narration is a great way to evaluate your kids to see if they are retaining what you're reading aloud to them. The way I did it with my kids was I would periodically stop what I was reading and just have them tell back to me what I had read to them. So I might say, um, what is the most interesting thing you've learned right now? Or tell me everything you know about giraffes. And if they could just spew back to me what they've read or I mean what they've learned, then I knew that they were retaining the information. If they hesitated and hemmed and hawed and uh, 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 then I knew that they either didn't grasp the information, it was over their heads, or perhaps they were distracted and weren't really paying attention. So rather than grilling them with questions and seeing what they didn't know, this was a way for me to really test and see what they did know. Hi ladies. Today we're talking evaluating progress in your homeschool, or as we called it as kids, progress reports on your report cards. So um, what we did as a family was different than a lot of families is that I did a standardized testing every year for all my kids from kindergarten up until they hit high school. And what we looked for and what we called it for the kids was mom's report card or the areas that mom had missed in teaching the kids. It was not an evaluation of my kids' abilities, but what mom had missed. And my kids knew this, and this is how we looked at it. So with four kids, you often, once you start teaching, you realize, oh, this is easy. 
So my example to you is my first kid was great in math. Math came easy for him. And so we did not struggle. And when it came to kid number two, she struggled with multiplication, but she did it, but she struggled with it. And so what the standardized testing caught that multiplication for us, because I taught just for number one, like I did to number two, and what was good for number one was not good for number two. Go forward, number three was great with her map skills. She loved drawing maps. She loved maps. Kiddo number four struggled with maps. Um, it's the same scenario, just little things that you miss that the standardized test is set to be able to find those little things, whether it be multiplication, um, punctuation, map skills, reading the science charts on the science portion. All those things are things that we tend to forget about and they catch it for our kids. So I encourage you guys, it'll be a great year. I talk to you soon, bye. How do I assess my children's progress? By talking to them. I know that sounds too simple, but it's true. Think about the smartest person you know. How do you know they're smart? Did you give them a test? Probably not. You probably heard them speak about something they're very knowledgeable about. And it's no different with your children. If they can tell you what they're learning in history, science, Bible, or any other subject, you know they're learning. And Sunlight's Instructor's Guides make it so easy by providing discussion questions for you. But I take an even simpler approach oftentimes. When we're done reading, I'll look at my child and say, what was that chapter about? If they can tell me, I know they paid attention and they learned something from it. And the other thing that I'm looking at each year is, are they learning new skills? So if my child didn't know how to read last year and now they can read, they're learning new skills. If they didn't know long division last year and now they understand it and can explain it to me, then they're learning. And that's really all I'm looking at is are they learning new things from year to year? Is school making sense to them? If it's not, I slow it down until it does make sense. And if it's so simple, I push a little faster and I move at their pace as long as they are progressing. I know we're on the right track. As we sought to evaluate our girls each year of our home education journey, we felt it was important to keep our goals in mind. The overall goal of our homeschool was to develop fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ followers and to make our home a place where learning was valued and pursued. So in light of that mission statement, we evaluated all aspects of our children each year. Uh, we did use the checklists that are found in the instructor's guide in your download section that talks about physical development. Can your five-year-old stand on one foot, hop, climb stairs, things like that. So those are provided um, through Sunlight and we use that as a good checklist. We also kept samples of all of our table subjects. So their math worksheets, their handwriting worksheets, their creative expression assignments and science worksheets. We kept five or six from the beginning of school 
from the middle of school and from the end of school. And we like to look at those and make sure there was progress made there. We thought back to discussion, how well they answered questions at the beginning of the year. Did they make progress through how they answered those questions at the end of the year? And then we did some spiritual evaluation. Had they made progress in that area? So our state does not require standardized testing. So we chose not to do that, but instead just to look at the things that they had done. Welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us for today's Homeschool Helps and Hacks, where we'll be talking all about evaluating your students' progress. So you heard from our mentors there in that early clip, and I'm going to be joined by Anne and Christy live as well. Let's start with some introductions. I am Sunny. I'm Sunlight's community manager and also a Sunlight mom of two kids. And Anne, you're top on my screen, so do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself next? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, good. You. Okay, my computer just told me that uh, my microphone was not working. Uh, but Sunny, I cannot see you. Oh, you can't see me. Okay. No. Well, <laughs> um, maybe try changing your, your view on the screen. I can see both you and Christy okay. right now. So, okay. Well, yeah, I can I, hear you just fine. Listen so, in if you can hear me, go ahead and answer. Yeah, I can hear you. So we'll, we'll just keep on going. Um, so my name is Anne. I live in Texas. I have two kids. I've homeschooled uh, with Sunlight starting in 2007. And my oldest is a college freshman this year. And my youngest uh, is a junior in high school. So it's a little crazy how fast it's all uh, going, but it's been a great journey. Well, thank you so much for being here. And Christy, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Oh, Christy, we cannot hear you though. Let's see, we'll see. Christy's gonna work on her microphone real quick. If you, can you hear me okay, Christy? Okay, perfect. I can see you now. <laughs> so if you can hear me once you get your microphone settings adjusted, feel free to just jump in there so that we know your microphone is live. Um, sorry about the technical difficulties. We'll work on that. And Ann and I will go ahead and get started while Christy's working on her microphone. So um, let's go ahead and start. We At the beginning there, we shared kind of different ways that we've evaluated our students. And, you know, here at Sunlight, since we use a literature-based curriculum, we mentioned discussions. And instead of testing students, you know, having conversations with them. So Ann, could you tell us a little bit more about that? And I mean, how do you really know if that's working and your child's getting everything they need to know through discussion only? Right. It's such a good question. And it's such a different way of doing school than most of us grew up with. And so it does feel a lot different. Um, but, um, well, I, like I said in my little post, you know, my son just took his first history test ever and it was in college and he aced it. And so that proves that it does work. And the, the reason it does work, like you said in your little video, Sunny, um, that you know uh, what they're learning because they're able to tell you about it um, just right then and there and you see the connections that they make uh, as time goes on. Uh, one of the things that would happen uh, when we were doing school, we'd be sitting on the couch together, I'd be reading a book and all of a sudden one of my kids would just jump up and run into their room. And at first I'm thinking, what in the world is going on here? We have a real, real big problem because they don't think they have to sit and listen. but. What was happening was that they would go get a book out of their room and come back and show me that this relates to something that they had read in this other book. And so reading all the stories and all the history in the real the real books that Sunlight uses uh, really just puts it all together and you just see it as 
as time goes on. It's it's just wonderful. Yeah, and I think you you make a good point there that sometimes it takes a little time to see it, or you may think your child's not listening or they're not making those connections. But then later on, you know, perhaps even months later, they say something like, Oh, I remember learning about this here, or I remember this from this book. This happens a lot with like historical events. Um, mm -hmm. We love the timeline in our house. And it's always interesting because the kids will remember from previous years, maybe if we were doing world history and now we're doing American history, something that they learned. And, you know, they'll say, oh, I remember that from this book. Um, so what do you do? I know we include questions in the IG. And I mentioned in my video that sometimes I don't even use those because in our house, at least, they might seem too hard to mm -hmm. my youngest uh, where, you know, you he's listening, he's paying attention to the story, but then I ask him a question from the instructor's guide and it just, it goes right over his head or he doesn't know the character's name. So it doesn't make sense. So what are some options if those IG questions are too hard or, you know, do you use the IG questions every time? How do you modify that for your students? Yeah, that's a really good question. And... Oh, I'm getting some feedback on myself. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Okay, yeah. good, good. Thank um, all right, so that has happened to us too, especially when it came to the read aloud questions. Um, and I would ask the question and my son would just be like, um, I have no idea. Um, so one of the things that I started doing for a time was writing down the questions uh, and showing them to him ahead of time. And that really did help a lot because then he was able to uh, see, uh, you know, know what to listen for, what kind of you know, questions he was going to have to answer. And that method really did help. Uh, and also just, uh, you know, summarizing, uh, like, um, like Sheila said in her video, uh, doing some narration after you read something, telling back, you know, what they've learned and what they know about now since they listened to that uh, is very helpful. And I really think... Um, uh, I mean, someone did design those questions to be discussion questions where, you know, where everybody gets their head in it and is, uh, you know, trying to understand what's going on. And honestly, I don't think the child is necessarily supposed to be able to come up with that answer all on their own sometimes. It truly really is a matter of discussion for the whole family. Yeah. Christy, you want to try to see if we can hear you? <laughs> sure. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And then we're just talking about kind of modifying those instructor's guide questions if they're too advanced or you don't want to use all of them. Yes, definitely make it yours. Um, I definitely I'm Christy, by the way, I have four <laughs> sons and they range in age from 13 through um, college, uh, second year um, sophomore. Um, and so let's see um, for IG questions. I think there's a lag on the video. Can you guys tell that? Is it, does it, does my mouth match my face? It's good here, but funny thing is I can't okay. see myself now. <laughs> okay. okay. So I'll keep going. I'll keep going. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's distracting because my mouth is different than what I'm saying and I, I it's distracting me. So yes, um, we are um, definitely um, big on making it ours. Um, if there are questions, Really, I want to get to the heart of what they know, and that can be hard. I would say it's a process. Um, I think uh, Anne alluded to this, that sometimes um, it takes a little time. Some of the things we're working on is vocabulary, and you can't really measure that, like their growth in their vocabulary, their growth in their attention span. There's no way to 
evaluate the progress in that area effectively, I think. The big thing is um, patience on my part as I'm, um, you know, talking to my students and knowing that as we go, I'm going to see, I will watch for things that they're doing outside of those questions if they're not big on answering the questions because I might see them playing. And I've seen you guys say this in the app too. You'll see your kids playing and, and um, you know, acting out something that they've done or that you hear them talking in the next chair at the dentist and they're talking about Julius Caesar. You know, those are certainly um, ways to know that they're absorbing it. And um, even if they can't answer that question every time. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and some of the other mentors mentioned standardized testing. I know different states require different things. We actually have a question in the app from Jeanette saying that she's nervous about the nervous about the organization aspect of giving a standardized test. At the end of the year, her state does require it to be done annually, um, starting within one year of starting your homeschool. Um, and so her kids are five and six and in first grade and already looking at that standardized test. Of course, for older kids, eventually they probably will take an ACT or SAT for college admissions and things like that. So how do you get your students ready for a standardized test or how much pressure do you put on that if you have to start out in a younger grade? We, we did um, some standardized testing in the early grades and I was in a state that I was able to um, pick myself, I was able to choose. So I just educated myself on the different kinds. Um, I could have just gone with the easiest one, but I wanted to know what they all entailed. And I found um, that my favorite um, involved um, a, an uh, a official tester and we took them to the house and we got a lot of great feedback from it. She was an educational psychologist, I think. And um, it just seemed the easiest. She had homeschooled and she was in the community and she provided this service and it, she gave the results to me. So it wasn't something I had to give to anyone else. And um, it just gave me a lot of great feedback. And so, you know, just find the one, the type of testing that um, that makes the most sense. I've tried different types of testing just to get um, because I was required to do testing each year. And um, so I found it. Um, helpful to try different types of tests and got some really great feedback that way. I, I did see it as a as a tool um, and I didn't feel, you know, um, there was one time I felt pretty overly wrought about a test <laughs> that we got back, a, a um, standardized test, and it was the one I was actually nervous about it before I got, they weren't too bad, but um, my son had a fever of 104 mm. when he took the test, but we didn't know that when we started. He just said, I don't feel so well in the middle of it. And he had a fever, a really raging fever by the end of the test. So he was not doing so well that day, but he did, you know, okay. But um, that wasn't his best testing year. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I just, I would say, um, don't be stressed about it. Use it. And for what it is, it's a test on one day and don't feel um, intense pressure and certainly don't pass that pressure on to the kids. I think we're better about not doing that than um, some brick and mortar schools are, so. Yeah, very true. So I live in a state that does not require any testing, but kids in public schools in my state do start testing, standardized testing at third grade. Uh, now I am a former public school, high school biology teacher, uh, and I've ever since I was pregnant with my son, I've been working at a tutoring place. 
All right, so this tutoring place offers the California Achievement Test for all different ages. And so I thought, well, I've been homeschooling my kids their whole lives. And, you know, the place I work offers this test. And they're, you know, my oldest is a grade. So, you know, I should do this and, and make sure that we're on track, right? And I've never been as nervous in my life just because I work there. <laughs> and I teach kids there. And I thought, oh, no, if my kid does not do well on this test, it's just going to be the most awful thing ever. All right, but. I, we decided to do it, uh, benefits. I do think it was good to have them go someplace else, you know, uh, to do the test and have that experience of the time test. Uh, so we did do it a few years in a row and we didn't do any kind of preparation for it. It's just, hey, this is what your math is gonna be today. We're gonna go and do this math part of the test. And kind of what I found is that the tests really just tell you what you already know. Um, and uh, so the, the results were just fine on my kids. They showed really great vocabulary. You know, imagine that growing up with the sunlight books. Uh, <laughs> and then um, uh, one time it just kind of slipped by and we ended up doing the test at the very end of the summer when we had taken a you know, months long break. And so my daughter's math score um, it wasn't as high. She was actually a little bit upset that it wasn't any higher, but it was on grade level. And, you know, and I would say that's what you would expect having had a few months off of doing math. So um, uh, the only test I would prepare for is when you get to high school and you're getting ready for the PSAT, the SAT, the ACT. Yeah, get get buy, buy a prep book and go through that because um that's something you really want them to prepare ahead of time but um all the others throughout just let them take it and um just see what the results show you and go from there yeah i love what you said about they kind of reaffirm or tell you what you already know in the younger grades if you are having those discussions and you're seeing your child learning you probably know if they're weak in math or weak in reading comprehension or something like that um, so it just, just kind of reaffirms what you know. So if you are in a state that requires it, um, I would say definitely look at it as a low pressure thing. Um, I'm in Colorado and we use an umbrella school that does require testing every other year. So that's been our experience with it. We just look at it as, okay, we're going to do something new today. Um, and you also mentioned like for the ACT, SAT, there's test prep booklets for that. I mean, I remember that when I was in high school, I attended a public high school and did my own little preparations. I don't remember school preparing me to take the ACT at all. Um, and remember those tests, you can retake those as well. So if your student's a little freaked out about it, maybe have them start it, you know, the semester before that way that doesn't have to be their final score, you know, for college applications, they can always come back and do that later. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into like supplementing and if your child's not progressing in certain areas. So let's say you've identified those weaknesses, you know where your child is struggling. Uh, Brittany actually asks a question about spelling specifically. Um, how did you find it best to help your child learn to spell? Um, but of course, there's other areas your child might be struggling as well. So let's talk about some options maybe for spelling, grammar, vocabulary, handwriting, math, any area that your, your child might be struggling in. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'll tackle that spelling question. Um, let's see, how do you all find it best to help your child uh, learn spelling the best? Uh, you know, Sunlight offers two really good uh, products that stand alone. Of course, in the language arts, uh, younger levels, some spelling lists are included. 
um, every um, week. But if you do feel like your child is a more struggling speller and you want to keep on going with that, you could go ahead and get All About Spelling or Spelling You See um, and, uh, and go with those all the way through the levels. And I used All About Spelling and I know Christy used uh, Spelling You See. So uh, it's kind of nice the two of us are on here. Uh, but All About Spelling um, is very... Um, uh, hands-on with little letter tiles and, and using those to spell words and learning the rules and making the review individualized. If you don't get a word, you put it back in the review box. If you've got that word down, you put it in the mastered box and you don't have to look at that one again. Um, so you can be, you know, have this word in your review box for months and that is totally okay because it really works wherever your child is. And it has about, yeah, seven different levels that you can work all the way through. And spelling you see is similar in that if you, um, you know, it's just right where they are. So you're going to um, review, review, review. There are maybe six or seven different um, um, different types of words that you circle or shade. Um, and, and the spelling you see, you're able to visually see. And each time you um, mark these um, letters that you mark, um, whether it's a... Uh, a silent letter or any of those things that you need to remember in spelling, um, you just keep reviewing that throughout the year. So it's um, there's a lot of review in spelling, and so that um, they are able throughout the year to um, to make progress. And I did see my guys making um, progress, remembering. Oh, I think this has a silent letter, or I think this has a tricky Y guy, or you know, they started using that terminology as in other words outside of their spelling. So. Um, in the early years, I do want to say um, that be uh, patient, I would say, on the spelling because um, the list that they have in the um, instructor's guide, I think that was sufficient for us in the early years. I don't know, Anne, did you use those in the early years as well? Yeah, I did. I, I used them. Well, yeah, first grade, I did. That's when they're introduced. Mm -hmm. And he was having a hard time. Um, just removing a lot of those. And so second grade is when I jumped in to all about um, spelling. Yeah. And, and I did all about spelling too a little bit. So yeah, we, yeah. We started and so it, it, and so we started back at level one with that in the mm -hmm. second grade, cause he was just yeah. having trouble um, yeah, mastering those word lists. And so we um, uh, went with that other product that's on light cells and it, it worked great. And so I just started my daughter with that since I had it and we just right. went all the way through. Right. Yeah, and I think that's a good point to kind of start with what's in the IG. Uh, Sunlight Language Arts does start with spelling. Um, and we do have optional resources that are scheduled in if you want to use them in some of the later language arts. It's like Explode the Code and uh, Grammar Ace and different products like that. Um, but I always start with the bare minimum myself. Whatever you know comes with my package, that's what I start with. And then I add on if my child needs it. So like for handwriting, we do additional handwriting until that child writes legibly. And I always tell them it's up to them, you know, how well they write this year is going to determine if they're using handwriting next year or with spelling. If they can nail all of those sunlight spelling lists, then I know they're set and ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with math. Are you moving forward in math? Okay. If you're not, okay, let's supplement a little bit there. We have a lot of math resources as well, um, including the Mathtacular DVDs. So all of these things that I'm talking about, 
about. We're part of that sale. So at the end, we'll give you a coupon code if you feel that you would like to look at some of those supplements. Um, but again, I just start with the instructor's guide and kind of go from there, depending on what the child needs. Uh, we had a question from Laura in the app saying, how do you know if something is worth fighting to do or not? So, you know, of course, our instructor's guides kind of give us the framework of what we need to do. Um, but how do you know when it's worth fighting? Is it something that, you know, you can kind of keep going with or do you need to supplement? How do you figure that out? Yeah, that's a real good question. I, I kind of rephrased it as uh, how do you know which battles to pick? Uh, <laughs> and um, I think a lot of that depends on your child's age and their abilities. And something to keep in mind is what is the activity trying to teach you? So let's say that your child struggles with writing, you know, just holding the pencil for a long time is just, you know, torture, but you're doing math. And so you've got to write those answers, but that's the thing. You know, you can do math without writing any answers if they tell you out loud what the answer is. And so uh, you can always just make sure um, that uh, you do the activity, you can modify it, but you're still doing what the activity is meant to do. And so that is definitely something to consider. And, um, you know, the way I see it, the skill-based subjects that tend to be the harder ones, at least for my kids, the math and, you know, the, the composition writing type stuff, um, you know, it's not negotiable whether or not they have to do it. You know, it has to get done, but there are definitely ways to modify. And one of the key things, I think, with the writing part where the kids are younger is to be their scribe because they might have all these ideas, but they, they can't physically or mentally you know, write down what they're thinking at that time. For my son, it was more about the fourth grade that he could do that. Uh, maybe a little younger for my daughter. Um, so that's something, a, a way to, to get those, um, you know, battles tackled is to, you know, do the job, but modify uh, so that you take out the, what's making it difficult for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would see if there's any way to reframe what you're doing. Um, if, um, for, I've, I know I've mentioned before about with the writing, um, when I just, instead of saying, here's your assignment for today, I need you, you know, we're going to talk about this and, and kind of focusing on it as an assignment. When my guys were little, I started where, oh, on Thursday, we're going to talk on this topic and we're just going to talk about this topic and you can tell mommy whatever you want to say about this topic. And we're going to talk about a trip. And so that was the writing prompt. I just didn't, um, you know, um, frame it as an assignment and made it more fun time that we're going to spend together. And um, once a week, we get time just you and me. And that, you know, when I'm a bit busy with four children every day, then setting aside 15, 20 minutes to sit down with one child um, and just focus, it, you know, that was a positive thing instead of you know, presenting it as an assignment. <laughs> um, and so I think sometimes we can reframe things or maybe if it's math and you're, you know, you're at a um, certain point, maybe you can look into math games where you can make it fun, go outside, reframe it in some way that you meet them where they are and know and, you know, realize um, it's hard for them right now and we can um, help them through that. Mm -hmm. So true. Yeah, we're getting a lot of questions about kind of the level of your student. So we'll speak to that. Maria is asking, how do you know if your child is behind? And then Jessica has an advanced four-year-old and she's wondering if it's too soon to start him in an HBL. 
Plus, Sarah, one of our Sunlight newbies, said she's doing level K and struggling with history because the last two read-alouds were over her head. Um, and so she would love advice on whether to keep going or go for a lower grade level for the subject. Um, and just in general, you know, what do you do when a child maybe is at different levels in a program? Or how do you know if they're ready to start a program or if they're falling behind? How do you figure that out? Hmm. I'll start with a four-year-old um, on on with a four-year-old um i don't know if you have if you have seen the preschool program and the pre-k program um but those are both excellent programs um to do and and um you know before you get into the hbl programs if you have already done those and they did well with those then i would just say do the next step and i, I do think it's okay to acknowledge that a lot of people are saying a before k um, and we've heard that feedback, and I think that that's okay to say out loud, mm -hmm. <laughs> that a lot of people have said, if you're doing K and you're noticing that some of the uh, read-alouds are above where they are, I think it's okay to, to um, you know, consider um, if you have A or if you're interested in going with that, um, some of the titles for May to test those out, um, and then consider purchasing that and re you know, doing it, the you know, going the different way of going A first than K, if you have that option. Um, I do think a lot of people have mentioned that maybe even in the app, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. And then um, always keep in mind that you can completely take things at your own pace. There is no reason or no law that you have to finish an HPL in one school year. You can slow it down, take a couple of years to do it, um, and that is totally fine. And your child may be at one level of the language arts and a different level of HBL and different level of science, different level of math. Uh, it's so customizable that you can really meet uh, each child where he or she is. And so definitely keep that in mind um, also. Um, so we did the four-year-olds. What else? There were a lot of things in that question. Yeah, there were a lot of things. Yeah, we had a lot of questions coming in. I actually want to speak to two things that you guys said. Christy mentioned level A and K. Keep, keep your eyes tuned for next year. There will be some changes to those programs because we have listened to customer feedback. Um, and so we are making some changes to make them a little more age appropriate. Um, and then, Anne, you mentioned you don't have to do an HBL all in one year. And this is something that I'm doing for the first time with my now third grader. Uh, when we started, K was not an option. So I started him with level A in kindergarten and just moved him a little too fast. His, he took a long time to learn to read and some things like that. And so now we're doing level D, which is not even recommended till fourth grade, um, over a year and a half. And then we'll do E over a year and a half. So it'll get him back into that age range um, where he should be. Um, we always recommend that. Look at the, the different recommended rate, age ranges for sunlight. If your child is starting out with sunlight, you, they can usually be a little younger in their level. But if they're coming out of school, we usually recommend that they're on the older end of the age range. But if you need any help picking out what's right for your kids, definitely reach out to the sunlight advisors. They are great at this um, and you can slow down your levels if it's going too fast, which is what I'm doing. And this year has been one of our best years yet because we're really moving at my son's pace. Uh, we do have a question about that a little bit. Sarah is saying that her daughter is falling behind and struggling with self-doubt. Um, she's tried to be encouraging and supplement, but she's not sure what to do. 
We also have uh, one of our Sunlight newbies saying that she's doing the kindergarten level all subjects and she seems to be keeping up with everything except the language arts and that reading is hard. Um, and so she knows she might not be ready to read yet, but she's wondering how to progress. You know, if you are at different levels in different subjects, how do you figure that out? And then how do you help your child who maybe is struggling with those confidence issues because they're not catching on? Hmm. Um, I want to tackle Sarah's question first, because I saw before that she, she was asking about math. And I don't know if this confidence thing is coming from that question it, for math specifically, maybe you can let us know, Sarah. But I saw that you were asking about switching to a different math program, even above that. And um, I would say that um, whatever, and you had you know, heard the advice that you should only switch if you're having major issues mm -hmm. um, because all of them are paced differently. I think the biggest thing is take a placement test. It's not a huge deal. I've changed to a different math program. I didn't do it, you know, as my first step, but I have chosen to change to a different math program before. And um, I think it was working for one daughter, but not the other. So um, it's okay to do that. And, um, but whichever program you go to, make sure you take their placement test and get the just right placement. So I would say from year to year, you know, if you do want to make a change like that, that is perfectly fine. And just, um, and they will be, um, Matthew C does have a different scope and sequence. But just make sure you take a placement test for any math program that you have opted to do. That's, mm -hmm. That would be my advice on that. And um, so, yeah, I was going back a little bit on that because I saw that she'd asked that question, Sunny, so we can go forward now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Like, oh, no worries at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And did you have anything to add either to oh, that yeah. question? Oh, well, I was going to, uh, about the LAK thing. I know mm -hmm. that the language arts, especially at the younger years, um, kids have different, uh, they develop those skills at you know, completely different rates. And I remember when my son was four and learned all the sounds that the letters make. Oh, oh, well, he's ready to read, right? And so um, I, uh, no, <laughs> you put C-A-T, he'll tell you C-A-T, that's all. I mean, he could not put it together whatsoever. He just wasn't there yet. So I just, you know, just put it all away and bought out the L-A-K the next year. And then he, he was ready. So for a subject like the language arts, um, if you find that they're not there yet, just put the whole thing aside because uh, it'll be there when they're ready and keep doing your read alouds and, uh, and your math and your science and just uh, pick, pick it up a little bit later uh, because they will, um, they, they will you know, catch up at some point. And uh, Sheila, uh, two times this week, I think I saw this great quote. I really should have looked it up, but uh, about like if you're trying to you know plow your ground in January, if you just waited till March, it would be so much easier. It's so true with so many things, especially when the kids are younger. Yeah, and remember, there's different levels, especially when it comes to reading. I think I before I started homeschooling, just assumed every kid learned to read around the same age, but it's actually very wide that range. I had one child who was an early reader, read super young, and I thought, oh, this is easy. I can teach any kid how to read. And then my second child came along and he struggled. He had vision issues and there were several things that we had to get down, you know, and figure out what was going on um, because he just was not reading. But that is a very wide range. So mm -hmm. if your child is not reading in kindergarten, do not worry about 
about that at all. Like Anne right. said, keep reading those read-alouds to them so that they're hearing good literature. Um, and then eventually, you know, obviously if it keeps going, look at getting them evaluated on the outside. But there, there are, you know, it's very normal for kids to be in a wide age range there. Um, we do have a question from Stephanie saying that she just pulled her son out of a private Christian school this week. He is gifted in ADHD. She's also homeschooling her daughter who is autistic and has a demand avoidance against anything she perceives as traditional school. So she's asking if sunlight will work for both of those kids. Can you guys speak to that? You know, how maybe you can modify it if necessary or, you know, how you would teach two very different learners. Mm -hmm. I, I don't yeah, think sunlight. sunlight looks at all like traditional school. And so, I mean, you've got that covered, you know. Uh, rarely do we even sit at a table to do school. You know, we're on the couch most of the time. Even math, you know, ended up on the couch. I mean, you could sit with your book in your lap. <laughs> so we don't really do anything sitting, at a, sitting straight over the table or anything. Uh, so in that aspect, sunlight definitely has you covered. Um, and I, I didn't catch the uh, the first part, though. Of that. Uh, the first part, she just pulled her son out of private Christian school. He's gifted in ADHD. So she's already homeschooling the daughter and then now wants to add in her son and is asking if uh, sunlight would work for both of them. Yeah, I would say it works for both, uh, you know, whether you have um, things that you want to catch up on or whether you have a child who's um, gifted and wanting to go further. It's very customizable. And um, I would say, that um, in the early years, one of my guys told me that he was, he told me years later, but he told me in the early years, it was an, he was at an embarrassing age before he realized that a lot of the subjects we were doing were actual school. He knew that math was school because it involved the table and all of that. But he said, I was, I was, um, you know, in uh, elementary school before I, you know, well into elementary school before he realized that he just thought everybody was in their houses reading every day and you know he just thought this is life and so mm -hmm. i love that about sunlight it is very much part of uh life we take it with us we mm -hmm. um and and it is something that you can really go as far as you want to go um i, I look back at what my boys knew in um after we had done just a couple of levels of sunlight and it was far and above i mean there were some things um and I, I shredded some of my college geography. I had to take a geography class in college. And they literally, with sunlight, knew more than I knew. I, there was a country that I lived in later, and I missed it on a test. And um, I, I, when I went back, I saw that test, and I wanted to shred it so that my kids wouldn't see it. But um, anyway, um, yeah, they definitely, you can challenge them. And, and, and the reading takes off. And my guys have um, developed into special interests and whether they are um, have challenges, you know, um, some of my guys, um, you know, in certain areas, we had some um, medical things to overcome and um, some developmental things to overcome in the early years with my guys. And it was really a huge benefit to them that we were homeschooling and we could take it at their pace and look at their strengths. Um, some of my guys love to draw and they use drawing as part of their evaluation of what they were understanding. Um, one of my guys did cartoon pictures after we read and he would draw the um, pictures and then we could tell um, by looking at the pictures, oh, wait, we didn't understand this part because the girl was in the tree and the little boy was on the ground and they were talking to each other. You know, just different. There's so many things that you can do with sunlight 
uh, with your reading and as that attention span is growing, as the vocabulary is growing, um, you're reaching uh, students who are struggling and students that are um, ready to go further. Yes. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Oh, go ahead, Ann. Oh, well, I'm just going to point when you are reading, um, this is another difference between traditional school uh, and, and homeschooling, is that you don't have to be sitting still to do your school. It depends on the child. Uh, my daughter has to do something with her hands, and man, does that help her listen. I mean, she can be knitting something or working a puzzle or even putting Legos together. And you know that she's listening because she'll laugh at all the right times and uh, you'd stop and ask a question and she immediately knows it. Um, so for the child that just honestly, sometimes if they have to sit still and be quiet during something that takes all their energy and all their brain power and they, they're not, you know, able to soak in what you're reading to them. And that's just one of the benefits of uh, taking them out of that other environment and doing it at home. You can uh, meet their needs in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I agree that sunlight is so easy to customize and it works for a variety of learners. And you mentioned kids that need to work with their hands. You know, they're definitely that type of learner that's more kinesthetic, more creative. And I know I've got one of those and then I have one that can sit there and not move at all. Um, but it, it, Christy, you mentioned that you learn things with sunlight all the time. I know I do too. Even the most advanced learner, I guarantee you, you can push them at whatever pace, give them more books to read. Um, and they will constantly learn new things because I know teaching my kids with sunlight, I learn new things all the time. Um, and then because it's using stories, it's fun. It doesn't feel like school. You're not sitting there listening to a teacher lecture or, you know, write stuff out on the board. You can read a book and it, it just makes it so much more fun. And it's something that you share as a family. Um, so, oh, Stephanie's saying thank you, ladies, so much. Well, you're welcome. We're we're thrilled to answer everybody's questions today. If we don't get to your questions, though, keep asking them um, because John and Lisa are there in the chat and they they're helping us out as well. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about attitudes, changing behavior. Maybe things have been going really well with your little kids, and then they they get a little bit older. That's not the case. We have a question from the app saying my daughter is 12 and in seventh grade, we are working through level G this year. My question isn't about academics, but attitude. I know it has to do with her age, but I am surprised with my daughter's attitude regarding schoolwork this year and her attitude in general. Do you have more advice for mothers and preteen daughters? Um, I'm looking at changing my parenting strategy as I'm teaching and parenting the same as always, but maybe I need to step back and give her more independence and responsibility. Um, I will tell you, I have a 13 year old daughter, so I feel you on this one. You you also have teenagers. How did you handle that transition from, you know, the early years to now? Yeah, I think it's interesting. She's already pinpointed that, oh, something might need to change, you know, with, um, you know, how she's teaching or something like that. And I agree 100% with that. Your role as homeschool teacher goes through these different phases as your kids get older. Um, you're, you're going from basically being in charge oh. of everything uh, to having them gain some independence. And so if that is an issue, you know, there is no reason why you know, your child cannot have some sort of say about their school schedule, you know, what they might want to do first and so on. What we did, I ended up getting this little storage thingy from Ikea. And the night before I just put every you know book uh, in there that they'd have to do. So they knew that's what has to get done today they could do it in whatever order you know, they wanted. So they have some, uh, some say and some ownership in that. And that's mm -hmm. helpful too. 
Um, and so now that my daughter is a junior in high school, uh, we, we just kind of get together after she does things uh, and check in and I'll ask her some of the discussion questions and things, but um, she's taken ownership of basically all of it. And so that's a gradual process. It just doesn't happen overnight. And so your daughter may be uh, you know, hitting that stage where she's ready for a little more of that. And uh, so definitely give it a try. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really glad that um, I first, before I was a mom and before I was a parent, I taught overseas for a couple of years. And my first, well, second year of teaching overseas, I taught with a family that had a seventh grade girl and her dad would come in and he would see, he would come into our, we had a little parent teacher meeting with the mom and the dad and me. And um, we would sit down and he would come in singing Pavarotti's, I love you, then I hate you, then I love you, then I hate you, then I love you, you know. And he was talking about a seventh grade daughter and he was like, we get that at home too, you know. So it was really great for me to see it wasn't just me you know um this is everybody with a seventh grade daughter or son or you know um i found it helpful that we were doing um science f um when my son was in middle school and we um, the understanding your brain um book from uh, i think it's an usborne book um it talks about what happens with your hormones and um we read through that book and it was very helpful to cover some of the attitudes we were getting about school um, at a, and, and to talk about, we talked about hormones and how they change at different times in your life. Like mine are changing right now and his are changing right now. And we're going to get through this together. So there are times that we just have to stop and have a, a moment of honesty. And, um, you know, if they're being disrespectful, I will tell my guys, if I feel disrespect from them, I don't allow that. And we, we deal with attitudes as they come up and that is hard to do just like in the toddler years, it was hard to establish some boundaries. Um, redoing that again, you know, when after you've been through some maybe relatively easy years, then coming back again to cover some of those harder attitudes and things that you have to deal with, it pays off later. Um, but in the, in the moment it is, I know it does get tiring, but just be assured that if you deal with it, um, little by little now, it does pay off and, and you'll see the benefits going forward and you can get through it and asking the app will be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm going to share a tidbit that I got from one of the other Sunlight mentors. Amber actually shared this with me when I was talking about my daughter, who was the stereotypical firstborn, you know, very sweet, compliant child. And then those hormones hit. And I was like, who is this kid? And I don't know what to deal with or how to deal with her. And what she told me is when your child starts to push against you, don't pull away just because they're not young and cute anymore. Um, it's very easy. If you think about like a toddler, they throw fits all the time, but they're still cute. They're affectionate. They'll tell you, I love you so much. You know, it's very easy to, to stay sweet and cuddly with them. But once your kids are older, and they start giving you those attitudes and they're being disrespectful. Your tendency might be to kind of pull away from them and, you know, oh, well, they hurt my feelings. I don't want to talk to them right now. Um, but the advice that Amber gave me was that's when they need you the most. So I have started whenever I feel kind of that pushback from my daughter. Do you need a hug? You know, let's just sit down. Let's stop doing school or whatever we're doing. You know, let's just hang out together. And I found it actually makes it easier than to move on towards school or things like that, because now, you know, our heads are on straight and we're not in that like fight 
mode anymore. So that that's something mm-hmm. that Homer shared with me that I've used in my own home and I love it. So yeah, definitely get in the app. All of the mentors, we've all been there. We all have teenagers or had teenagers. And so we, we would love to share that type of advice with you. We are running low on time, but I did want to get to one last question from Katrina in the app. She said, I would love to hear the perspective on how many activities work for successful sunlight families. So like how much is too much in the afternoon and the evenings? Do you use certain criteria to evaluate if your kid needs or deserves to be in an extra activity? Mm-hmm. So I assume we're talking about sports and music lessons and things like that. Um, so how do you guys determine what your kids can do, should do, what they deserve to do, et cetera? Yeah. Uh, look at finances for one thing. Uh, you know, th- that is definitely a factor. So look at your finances, how many kids you have. And uh, so those things will differ for everybody. And then another question to think about is, do you want to have an evening together? You know, do you want to be able to eat dinner together at least one evening <laughs> a week and plan things all based around that? Because all of these after school activities are so good and beneficial. You can check off that PE box and, uh, you know, on your high school transcript, if they're doing, you know, basketball team or something, it's just great, but it definitely is a balance. But I guess I I would, you know, look at finances, how many kids you have, if you've got a large family, you know, one activity per child is probably, you know, going to be enough. Mm -hmm. We found a team where our guys are all on a team. Now, of course, there's an elementary, middle, and high school. And thankfully, this year is our first year that we don't have an elementary. We don't have all three levels. And so we're not doing the whole schedule. Um, but still it does, their, their practices are together. If you can find anything like that. Um, also, if you have students who are, I have a mix. I have some students who want to do all the things and some that like, maybe we have to kind of even encourage him to do the, uh, an activity or two and help him get started. And then he loves it, you know, but, um, um, I would say if they're, if they are that student that loves to do all the things we, we do have to make, you know, make a decision and, and pare it down to what we can, what we can, what we can do. We have, it it is a good idea to have a standard of how much to do and we do not, and we need that (laughs) actually at our house, um, because we have one who is over, uh, he, he is, he is over, he has too many activities this year. So we're, yeah, we, well, that's, we are with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something, yeah, too, to kind of look at. Uh, for a while, my daughter did competitive dance team, and it was the biggest time suck. She would spend hours each mm-hmm. night at the studio, and then every weekend we would be traveling to competition, and we realized that was just not working for us. Plus, our poor son was not getting to do anything except go watch her dance. Mm-hmm. So now we kind of do one to two activities mm-hmm. per child, and they even do some together. So that way, you know, it's it's easy for us to drive places and take them where they need to go. Um, but it's not like, Ian, like what you said about every night a week, um, you know, we, we still get that time together. So um, we are really low on time. So if we did not get to your question, please post it um, in the Sunlight app on the replay of the video. And we will definitely answer you there. All of our mentors are in there. Anne and Chrissy, thank you so much for being here today. Jana, Lisa, thank you for helping us on the chat. Again, if we did not get to your question, please drop it in the comments and we will make sure to answer that for you.